When life gets harder, you get smarter. You don't mission, you level up like a boss. Connect Vox Fiber to your home, starting from 554 Rand per month. Level up your experience with Airtai's Wi-Fi boosters, Vobi Voice app calling, offers 365 and over 160 other products to enhance your lifestyle. Live smart, level up with Vox. Visit vox.co.za to view our range. T's and C's apply. I'm Duncan McLeod. And I'm Rechard van der Berg. This is Talk Central, episode 260 for the week starting 19 May 2019. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. Join our YouTube live stream on Sundays at 1 p.m. On Talk Central this week, MTN backs down. Also on the show this week, Trump's war on Huawei. Plus, Nusbash told it can't buy We Buy Cars and WhatsApp's hack. Hmm. It's Sunday afternoon, we're live streaming on the tube and it's time to talk everything tech. Well, how's it, Richard? How are you doing? How's it, Duncan? Very good, thanks. Um, so we are indeed live on YouTube, and this is going to be the last uh, time, I hope, um, that uh, we'll be doing it using Google Hangouts on Air because there's some big changes coming to this podcast in the coming weeks. Um, we are going to be live streaming via OBS Studio soon. Uh, um, regular listeners to the show will notice, uh, and or viewers of the show rather, not listeners, uh, will notice a um, quite a dramatic change to my uh, background scenery, um, very green. Uh, that's because I have a beautiful green screen installed and we'll be making good use of that uh, once OES is up and running, hopefully in our next show. Um, although I must um, caution that um, I've been spending a lot of time in OBS over the last couple of weeks and it is not the world's easiest software to learn but the more I delve into it the more I realize how just how powerful it is I think it's uh, perhaps very hard to to call it the Photoshop of live streaming yeah a little bit more complex than that I would say the Photoshop version one of live streaming <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not easy to learn, but uh, very very powerful software, and um, looking forward to putting this green screen behind me to to exceptional use uh, in in the coming weeks. Um, the quality of this uh, podcast uh, the, or the YouTube uh, videos will also be improving. Uh, Hangouts on air is limited to a 720p resolution. Uh, we'll be bumping that up when we go to OBS to 1080p. Um, I thought we probably probably a good idea, although we can do it, Rehat. Um, probably a good idea mm. to skip 4k at this stage um putting our ugly mugs on on youtube in 4k may break the internet <laughs> yeah please let's not let's not go there <laughs> but we'll be hopefully, hopefully next this time next sunday join us at um at one o'clock we go live on youtube subscribe to our youtube channel just search tech central that's one word tech central in youtube uh, and hit that subscribe button and if you hit the bell uh you'll get alerted whenever we go live on a, a Sunday afternoon, and I see we have some uh, viewers joining us already in the live stream. So welcome, everybody. Um, we are going to be discontinuing our um, our audio live stream on Spreaker, uh, which uh, was available on live.techcentral.co.za, uh, and we'll be uh, streaming exclusively through YouTube for now, though we may look at doing uh, Facebook Live and possibly even Twitch uh, at some point, um, assuming uh, the uh, OBS allows you to do that sort of integration, which I think it does. It does, right? I say, do them all, Duncan. Do them all. Do them all. Um, never live streamed to Facebook before, but I believe it is a very popular platform for this sort of thing. Mm. Um, but we're going to start with YouTube. We're going to get OBS right. We're going to uh, we're going to do a lot of fiddling in, in OBS. We're going to get this green screen working beautifully. Um, and uh, and um, what I like about it is the ability to, um, when we're talking about something, we can throw up a product shot on screen or we can visit a website. Uh, and make this a lot more interactive. And of course, join us on Sundays as well, and join us in the uh, in the chat room. Uh, we'd love to get your comments uh, during the course of the live show. Um, and of course, the podcast will always be available uh, in audio format as well, if that's your preferred means of consumption. Um, it'll be available through our usual channels, iono.fm, or through your uh, favorite podcatcher. But yeah, some exciting stuff planned uh, for this podcast in the coming weeks. Uh, so I um, hope you'll be able to join us on Sunday afternoons at 1 p.m. But let's get on with the show, shall we? Um, yeah, the quiz, I think. Let's not forget yeah. about that again. Thank you for reminding me. I hadn't forgotten this week. I hadn't forgotten this week, but uh, 
Thanks for the reminder. Just to go. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do the first question? Yeah, sure. The first question. M10 listed on the Nigerian Stock Exchange this past week, and its shares rose by the maximum allowable amount on its first two days as a public company in Lagos. How much was that per day? And the Competition Commission has recommended that the plan by Nuspash to buy online car wholesaler We Buy Cars be blocked. How much has Nuspash offered to pay for 60% of this company? Third question. Lenovo showed off something quite unusual in the world of PCs this week. What was it? Very interesting. And uh, Hewlett Packard mm. Enterprise said this week it was buying which legendary maker of supercomputers? And the final question. Tesla CEO Elon Musk warned this week that the company will run out of money when unless hardcore changes are made. Unless hardcore changes are made. Sorry. Unless hardcore changes are made, yeah. We'll get to the uh, answers to the quiz, of course, always at the end of the show. But uh, right now, let's get into this week's news. And um, interesting development by uh, MTN this week. I don't know if you saw it, Raf, but um, you know, they, about a week ago, they announced that they were introducing this um, this data rollover service, which is effectively a continuation of out of bundle. Um, they would uh, continue to roll over your data at um, at a preset price um, at a at a megabyte at a time. Um, I think one of the rates I saw quoted was forty cents, but I think it's based. I think it's based on um, what your in bundle rate is. Um, the contentious thing about this was that MTN said that this is um, is going to be uh, opt out for all of its customers. So um, effectively continuing with uh, out of bundle charges, which at, certainly at face value seems to go directly against the spirit, if not the uh, actual um, what's the word. Uh, the requirements of the uh, end user service charter what's it called the eu scc the uh, data expiry regulation rules that icasa came up with and were, which were implemented uh, a couple of months ago uh, huge backlash from uh, social media users from mtn customers and just a week later they announced that they are scrapping it they are no longer going to implement this uh, this out of bundle um opt in or opt out of only uh, option. In fact, they're not even going to make it opt in. They're just going to scrap it based on the uh, feedback they've received from their customers. So interesting move. Um, and I, I wonder to what extent they also came, potentially came under uh, regulatory pressure behind the scenes uh, for doing this. But certainly at face value, it looked, looked like they were, you know, it looks like this company was and probably still is um, addicted to out of bundle data. Um, uh, now, the, those, those ICASA regulations were very much and very clearly um, in the consumer interest. And, um, you know, I think that, I don't know, Rahad, I don't know what your views on this are, but um, they were, I think they were trying to pull a fast one, really, and they got caught out. Yeah, I'm just actually looking at my phone now, trying to find the text that I also received. And uh, I had to give it like two or three looks, just, you know, what's going on here? It, mm. how, can it, how can they still be doing stuff like that? in 2019 after everything we've been through you know it's kind of i don't know is it is it uh, somebody's just making a mistake or is it just devious practice i mean either way it doesn't really the answer isn't really what we want to hear right they're yeah. not really looking after their customers um, we know they lose, we know we know they're going to lose a lot of money from this or they are losing a lot of money from not having um automatic out of bundle anymore which was really an awful thing i mean you know at least it's better now because the price is the same as it was in bundle, I think. Um, whereas in the past, if you went out of bundle, and it happened to so many people, it happened to me many times, even though I'm a, a tech savvy user who understands these things. Uh, on the previous network I was with, my, my current network doesn't do it uh, at all, which is uh, kudos to them. But on my previous network, I, I racked up huge out of bundle fees from time to time, just because um, I wasn't getting, first of all, wasn't getting notified timelessly that I'd gone out of bundle. And secondly, you don't realize, oh, oops, I forgot um, some data intensive uh, application on my laptop. I'm tethered. It's downloading stuff in the background or a Windows update or something. And you get caught out. Um, yeah. And I think it was right for Ricasa to intervene because these guys were ripping off customers. And what MTN did here or tried to do here, I think, while not perhaps not as evil as, as those old rules, um, was certainly an attempt to claw back some of that out of bundle revenue that they have lost through these ICASA regulations. And I think the backlash was right. And um, I suppose some kudos to them for listening to their customers and backing down. But it's not the first time their customers have been complaining about things, right? I mean, 
even with other operators. We, we know these guys don't operate in silos. Everybody knows what's happening in the industry. So if Celsius does something that everybody complains about, then everybody knows about it. So again, doing something like this, didn't somebody ask a question, what, what are people going to think? What are our customers going to think? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm getting, I'm starting to sound like my parents here, but I'm getting to the point where it's, it's, it's a little bit sickening to think that those kind of questions aren't being asked at the top level before they introduce things like this. Yeah. Um, again, it's 2019. We've been through a lot of regulations. We've been through a lot of issues. Um, th these operators know what customers want. It's very simple. Give us data that doesn't expire. We'll gladly pay for the data yeah. um, or voice calls, but don't come in with these devious methods to try and snake more money out of us. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I speak to my domestic workers regularly, and if I look at the practices, just a lot of the things on their cell phones, I had to help um, just get rid of a lot of these automatic uh, yeah. bundles that could come off, you know, audio caller tunes. I mean, these things cost three rand to five rand a day. I mean, it's ridiculous. How can, how can a company let that happen if they know their customers are going to be ripped off by this? Probably the people that, you know, for three rand a day is a lot of airtime. Um, yeah, that's yeah, my rant. I, I'm getting really, really irritated by this. I mean, because they no, should be are. asking these questions. You're absolutely right. It's it's ridiculous, and I've seen the same thing. And and um, uh, you know, you phone phone people who you know don't have a lot of money, and 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 you hear these customized ringtones when you call them, and 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 there's a message on the on the thing saying press whatever on your on your phone to get this customized ringtone at two rand mm. a day. Um, you know, this is. You know, this is taking money from people who have almost nothing. Um, they've been suckered into this somehow, probably um, unlawfully, and and you know, you know, the operators, of course, are are, are making huge money out of this. But it's, I, I tend to agree, something has to be done about it. It's, um, you know, I think the regulator was right to step in on the data expiry thing, and perhaps they need to do even more because. Um, the, like these automated ringtones that people subscribe to and don't know how to get out of, um, and these charges that come off their accounts, even if they're not using data or making phone calls. Um, I don't know. It, it almost seems there needs to be some rules around this. Mm. More. You know, but I'm starting to look again at the employees who's not, you know, if I see somebody working at MTN in a higher up, let's say, development role where they make decisions based on these products, if I meet somebody like that and I ask them that question and they don't have a really good answer for me, you know, doesn't bode well for the people that work there either. Mm. Um, surely the process, again, you know, what's best. I work with a lot of corporates, and every now and then somebody makes a suggestion that is not really in the best interest of the customer, and somebody has to highlight that, you know, and it's it's not a negative thing. Everybody says, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Let's maybe spitball a bit more around that. I mean, that's how it should be, not just, okay, what could make the most money for my business, um, which is not Absolutely. good for the customer. Yeah, but they've gotten so used to these revenues that uh, you know they don't want to give them up. But the funny thing is, if they were, um, I think if they were more consumer friendly, they'd actually, you know, they'd get less churn and they'd get more loyal customers, which would be good for business at the end of the day. The situation you have now is you end up with customers who are just unhappy and and you know uh, I'm sure customers on prepaid say, well, why is this money disappearing off my account? Let me switch to another network. It's not going to rip me off this this way. And if if um, if this wasn't happening, then the, the the customers would probably be more loyal. And as, mm. as someone in the comment section has just pointed out, it's um it's not just the operators that are doing this, but it's the the so-called WASPs, the wireless application service providers that run on top of these networks. Um, and I know there's an industry organization called WASPA that tries to deal with this sort of stuff, but it does at times seem like the whole thing is a bit out of control. Yeah, I mean, those, uh, <laughs> it's exactly the same problem, you know, it's like a land grab out there. And the result is um, customers or the people, people on the ground using these services get two or three SIM cards, or they just stop a SIM using a SIM card altogether. Mm. Um, that thing gets recycled, I pick it up and I, I'm sitting with a burden of 100 SMS. So the system is just, <laughs> you know, it just is, it's, everything has got repercussions on everything else. And it starts with just being a bit money, money hungry. Yeah. Um, and there's no reason for no, there's no reason for that. I think, they, like you said, you know, people will certainly be using a lot more data. I, I would be spending a lot more money on data if I knew that my 50 rands of data today will be good for as long as what I'm going to use unless it runs out. You know, mm -hmm. um, now Excellent. I have to every time I have to think twice. Okay, so this data, if I if I buy uh, extra data onto onto my SIM card, um, mm -hmm. 
is it going to expire? You know, how much do I need now? You know, it's it's, it's even me as a tech, you find it uh, tricky sometimes. Yeah. Um, and again, I think Afrios is doing quite well with the app because it's pretty clear in there what is and what isn't, uh, you know, data that's going to run out. Um, I can't say the same for MTN's own app, um, which is very confusing. I've often yeah. bought two or three airtime bundles because it, it doesn't clearly, it, it looks like you've got airtime, but you don't, or you have airtime, but it, it indicates that you don't, but your, your bundled airtime has run out and you can, I don't know, it's very confusing. Um, definitely worth looking more into that once I have the energy <laughs> to kind of take it on, but yeah. Uh, in the chat room, Bradley Reynolds says, WASP services that target, target lower LSMs should be made illegal. Um, it's an interesting discussion. Uh, I don't know if you can make them illegal for a certain income group. Um, because then there'll be allegations of, of you prejudicing a, a certain income group. Um, but isn't the I mean, practice in itself, the practice in itself is, I mean, there's nothing really credible about, can you really tell me that somebody really wants a ringtone at three rand a day? No. Um, with a, nobody wants it, I can I can guarantee you that. So the practice in itself, I mean, there might be good uses for, for some of those services, but those, those things that are purely out there to do people out of their money, that should be done away with. I mean, I don't know if there's such a service, but let's say, for example, there's a there's a, a, a service that allows you to get lottery results for three rand a day. I mean, that again, it's robbery, daylight robbery, because yeah. that information is freely available. Nobody should be paying for such a service. Um, and people that might not know better mm. would fall for this. So, you know, those are the people we need to protect. Yeah, I've, I've got no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that that the vast majority of these services are. Are people who are signing up for them not realizing what they're doing or um you know being signed up for them without their consent um because i can't imagine that you're right Richard, i can't imagine that someone is going to is going to willingly sign up for a for a ringtone at three rand a day mm. why it doesn't make sense and do ever signs i mean again those processes nobody along the chain of command there goes guys is this really honorable what we're doing Mm. Um, it's just about the bottom line for a lot of companies and yeah. you know yeah. it's, it's the big operators that should be kind of they're the only guys that really can see what's happening from the inside for everybody else you know we kind of hear it via the grapevine or you know if we know somebody close to us who has experiences um, but otherwise you would never know about these things it'll just be kind of people moaning about it uh, among their friends and they don't know what yeah. to do about it yes but yeah, thanks. Thanks for your comment, Bradley. It's uh, I, I don't know what the solution is. Um, I, I I think it'd be difficult to to ban these services for specifically for a certain income group. But you know, m maybe there's an argument they get banned altogether. But you know, maybe there's you know, can you do that either? Um, I, I think it's I think it, I think what has to happen is the operators need to need to clean up. Um, there, there's too much abuse that's gone on over the years, and I think. There is an industry body in WASPA that's, um, I think, has done some good work, but um, it's it's clear that that consumers are still being ripped off on this stuff. Mm. Yeah, we need we need to, uh, you know, if, if it was just one thing in isolation, we could say, okay, you know, it's a problem, growth, we can kind of accept this and let's fix it and move on. But the operators don't have a very good track record with customer interest. Um, yeah. Yes, they provide fantastic services, and, and we certainly can't live without those services. But at what expense? You know, I mean, we can afford the money we throw at our cell phone for, for, for the most part. A lot of people can't. A lot for a lot of people, airtime is a, a very important commodity. You know, yeah. Give me yeah. some airtime is more important than give me a five rand. Um, you know, to to use towards something. And um, you're buying it in limited quantities if you're in that in that segment, and. You know, you, you might spend five or ten rand on data on airtime, and and to have that eaten away, especially without yeah. your knowledge. Is, yeah, there's nothing good about it. Nothing good no, about it. And, no. I mean, you can you can also argue maybe it should be a twenty cent, thirty cent, fifty cent service, not a three, four, five rand service. You know, there's again there's exploitation to a very big degree if you look at the numbers people, the, the amount of money people could make of yeah. these dodgy services. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 not good. I mean, it, even we have trouble, you know, kind of understanding how deep these things go. It's, yeah, I can't imagine if you if you subscribe to all these things and you don't know what to do about it. Again, you ditch your SIM card and you get another one. I think that's what a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, for sure, that's exactly what happens. And and as I said earlier, the the customers will be more loyal if um, if this wasn't going on. I'm sure. I'm convinced mm. of. 
Uh, anyway, coming back to the MTN uh, data rollover plan, uh, Roy says in, in the chat room, if anyone understood MTN's original data rollover plan they communicated after one read, they are cleverer than I. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've read through a few of these uh, contracts and, and, and uh, clauses and stuff. I have to do it sometimes as part of my job as a technology journalist, and reading through the operator's terms and conditions is enough to give you a headache. But of course, they're written by lawyers, and they're not written... They're not written with uh, with the end user in mind, um, and um, they, they, those, those contracts and those those um, documents are there to protect the operator, not to protect you, the end customer. Yeah, the customer will always lose if if we don't have somebody fighting for for us. You know, uh, it's sad. <laughs> we don't want we don't we shouldn't we shouldn't have to fight with something we love so much. I mean, I love myself and I love being connected. I love you know having that capability in the palm of my hand. Yeah. Then underneath that, there's this layer of just you know, kind of not you know, business practices that's not geared for yeah. the best interest of the country, really. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move along. Uh, let's have a chat about Donald Trump. Why not? Uh, <laughs> Going from bad to worse, or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's got it in for Huawei, doesn't he? Um, he always got it in for China, um, but uh, Huawei seems to be. Uh, uh, the company that he is having a particular go at. Now, Huawei is obviously the uh, the technology champion of China. It's their, their biggest tech company, uh, incredibly successful company, overtaken Apple as the biggest second biggest smartphone uh, maker in the world, and is on track, possibly later this year, to overtake Samsung Electronics of Korea as the world's biggest smartphone maker. But that's not, of course, not, not only only the only thing they do. They're uh, they provide they provide a wide range of consumer electronics gadgets, but they also help build um, telecommunications infrastructure for operators around the world, three um, G, four G, and they're very well positioned, um, exceptionally well positioned uh, to be a leader in the supply of five G uh, telecommunications network equipment. And this seems to have the U.S. very concerned. Um, now the allegations that that you hear repeatedly from u.s politicians including trump uh is that um this is going to be a threat this is it poses a potential threat to um to national security and and of course the u.s is putting pressure on its allies in in europe and elsewhere um to to not work with uh, huawei and not to deploy huawei's uh telecommunications gear in the, their 5g networks and we've seen a few countries uh, already going along with this, uh, I think, including Australia and possibly New Zealand, if I remember correctly. Uh, and certainly there's been a lot of pressure on, on European uh, governments as well, although so far, um, although the European, uh, some European governments are saying that they're going to put in fairly tough rules in terms of vetting the security of Huawei equipment, the sort of general view so far appears to be that they will continue to use Huawei equipment. Um, but it's an interesting, uh, it's a really interesting um, geopolitical story, um, and it's it is it is this. I think it is the the, the big story of of uh, of our generation, or, or certainly of this decade, uh, is this um, is this contestation for global dominance between America and China, um, and China is on the ascendance ascendancy. I can't remember what the right word is there. Um, and America seems to be, um, I don't know, Trump seems to be playing uh, an interesting game that isn't necessarily based on fact. Um, I mean, is is Huawei really um, a proxy for the Chinese government and a backdoor for spying on countries around the world? I find it very hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, a company, a technology company in today's day and age, would. I think it'll be very hard for them to do um, but having said that, you know, I'm always open-minded when it comes to technology, and I'm very much a skeptical, a skeptical person um, in terms of, you know, anything is possible with, you know, I guess, the right amount of planning. But again, you can't get away with something like this today. If if something is found in one piece of equipment, uh, no matter what it is, maybe it's a one-off piece of equipment, but it's got branded Huawei, and that is discovered to be spy tech i mean it'll be devastating for the company right yeah uh, it'll probably lose more money um that money that it loses for the company will probably be more devastating um than you know than anything else for for the country i guess um, in, in a way. So, there, they'll be found yeah yeah exactly um and you know when once these allegations start there's no doubt uh computer hackers and backrooms trying to 
prove these claims because if they mm -hmm. find backdoors, it'll be to be their benefit as well, right? Yeah. Because um, then they would be able to to exploit it for their own reasons, and you know, not that if we haven't heard anything, doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But you know, I'm sure we would have heard something. Um, by now, yeah. at least some bit of information from somebody that says, yeah, we've got some equipment that is actually Huawei equipment that has uh, got this uh, malicious mm. hardware or software in it. So, yeah. I mean, the effect of all of this is that Huawei is effectively banned in the US. Um, and I was reading an interesting article, I think it was on, it, it, I think it was on um, Ars Technica or on The Verge a bit earlier today, uh, from one of their journalists lamenting the fact that um, Chinese uh, smartphone brands generally are just not available in America. Um, you can't get a Huawei phone on a from from any of the major operators in the U.S. And, and this journalist was lamenting this fact. He said, "Around the world, Huawei is competing very hard. We know this. I mean, we see it here in the South African market. They're bringing great products to market. They're keeping Samsung on their toes, and they're giving Apple a serious run for for its money." Um, but in the U.S., this journalist pointed out. Uh, you, you have a duopoly in effect. You you go to a major carrier and what you can buy from them is either an Apple or a Samsung Galaxy. Um, and with Huawei, not as, as, a, as a, the third major challenger globally, not in the American market, uh, Americans are actually um, are actually losing out in in that they, they just don't have, they don't have uh, much choice. Uh, you know, if it's either they go Android, they go Samsung or they go Apple. Um, so in, in many respects, in, in, in markets like South Africa and other markets around the world where Huawei is an active player, we actually have much better choice. Yeah, we're in a much better position. Um, I just want to add something to what you were saying earlier. I also read something on Reuters um, where Huawei says it's actually been preparing for a long time, I guess unexpectedly so, that uh, should it be banned somewhere, um, it'll be able to get its own, you know, it started already producing its own um, silicon chip. So it has, know, it's yeah. kind of, it's, 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 it's yeah, gearing up to be a completely independent company, not rely on anybody else, which is probably a bigger threat if it is a threat, right? If the company is a threat and it's doing all of its own things and it's better at it than everybody else, um, America should be really worried. But the irony of this, Rechard, sorry to interrupt, the irony of this is that um, it's actually making Huawei be more innovative and lessen its reliance on American suppliers. Uh, because they know they saw what happened to ZTE when when Trump went after ZTE, um, the company was basically crippled. If 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 Trump hadn't reversed that that uh, decision on ZTE um, to not supply it with with um, um, components like components from Qualcomm and the Android operating system and that sort of thing, um, ZTE would have would have gone bust. Um, and Huawei would have looked at this very carefully. They'll see this um, posturing by the Americans. And they'll be saying, you know, um, you know, we we need to make sure we're independent. So they're going to develop their own chipsets. They're going to develop their own, you know, everything in in those devices. Everything they do, they're going to make sure that they've got their own. Um, and ultimately, uh, that actually is going to strengthen the company and strengthen the Chinese. Especially because the company is based at the source, right? No, no, none of the American companies. I mean, yes, they have manufacturing plants and, and offices and things, but none of them are as close to their own manufacturing capabilities um, than a company like Huawei would be. Yeah. I mean, that's their own country, right? I mean, they they embedded there in some ways. Um, yeah. Apple's Apple and uh, the US's walled garden is kind of seemingly becoming a um, similar thing, right? You're kind of mm -hmm. closing themselves in from the world for some reason. Um, and the rest of the world, you know, I'm talking about techno and uh, Apple, you know, becoming more of an expensive product too. People around the world are going, hang on, guys, you know, we have really good alternatives now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've known a lot of people that it's not too phased about the American company. What's, what's, I think the biggest potential threat to Huawei is if they can't get access to Android anymore. That's, I think, you know, they they are apparently working on their own operating system, their own alternative to Android to run on their smartphones. But Android is such a well-developed ecosystem, you can't just you can't just forklift it out and put your own operating system in there, um, not without significant work. And uh, I'm not sure you'd be able to get interoperability with the Play Store. So if um, if the Americans really decided to play hardball and say, and say you know, you can't have access to our suppliers. Um, and they lost access to Android. I think that would do them huge damage. Yeah, that could be devastating.
But how likely do you think something like that would happen? Do you think Google would bow down to anything like that well, from Google, a government? Google, um, I don't know. I mean, it's they uh, they're an American company. I, I you know if 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 the U.S. government said you may not supply technology to this Chinese company, uh, they probably don't have a choice. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, wasn't Google also for a long time against uh, helping China um, uh, with, you know, kind of spying on their citizens? And now they've got specific versions of Google search just for China. I spent that on a correction. Um, but I'm what I'm trying to I, say by that, I don't think so. We, I don't think they ever went to. Isn't there a standalone Google search engine that only that gives approved search results? They were talking about doing it, but there was a huge backlash from. Uh, from Google employees, and I think it kind of went away. And so Google isn't in China. Okay. Then I must have, yeah, then, then I thought about something else. But yeah, it's, look, I don't think, I wouldn't see a future in which Google would do something like that. Um, they wouldn't do it. If, if, I mean, Huawei is so important to Google and to Android. Uh, I mean, this is the second biggest Android manufacturer in the world. There's no way they want to 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 pull the plug on, on, on Huawei. Um, uh, you know, uh, and and there's every chance that this is going to be the biggest Android manufacturer in the world soon. Um, it would be very much against Google's interest to um, to to say, well, Huawei, sorry, you can't have our software. Um, but again, you know, the this, this, the Trump administration, you, you actually don't know what they're going to do. I, I I would never have expected them to to get as hardcore as they already have on this issue. And um, you know, it's clear that America sees China as a threat, and they're um, and they're using tariffs. They're using all sorts of threats. They're using, I mean, we don't know where this is going to end. Um, the U.S. wants a new Cold War with China. Just for the click. It's all clickbait, Duncan. <laughs> oh, Trump's clickbait, clickbait Twitter feed. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like we're living in a movie sometimes, in a, in a kind yeah. of badly scripted scene somewhere. Um, mm. But I think history has repeated itself many times, and it's kind of just, you know, people, and then I'm breaking this down, I'm simplifying this uh, a, a lot. But, you know, new people coming to power, they have, they're trying to make a point, they're trying to change things, ruffle feathers up, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Next person comes in, the same thing happens, maybe they've got a better relationship with the foreign power. I think we'll always have that. We just are close to the brink of actual, you know, serious yeah. cold warfare, are we? Um, yeah. And in the technology age, it's probably a lot more difficult to distinguish that because there's no, uh, okay, we've got planes dropping bombs all the time, but we don't really have that idea of, okay, war is actually happening now. Yeah. War is happening all the time with the digital, within the digital space. And I think that that is probably the most concerning angle for me, because we won't know something's bad has happened until yeah. it's too late. Uh, Roy in the chat room makes a very good point. He says Google doesn't sell Android; it's open source, a big loophole. Um, I hadn't thought of that. Of course, uh, um, you can get access to Android. You don't have to have Google's permission. Um, of course, Google sells its own—I'm um, not sure what they call it—set uh, of applications that run inside Android, which um, the vast majority of, of, of Android users are going to want to have. Things like Google Maps and uh, uh, the Play Store and um, uh, YouTube and all these other services that they that they make available, um, I think, on a non-open source basis, um, on top of the Android operating system. But Roy, you do make a good point about Android. So um, I suppose Huawei uh, could take Android and, and and use it as a basis for developing um, their own OS. But again, to what extent they'd be able to get access to, if the US decided to play hardball, whether they'd be able to get access to um, to services like um, the, well, the whole suite of Google Google Apps is is open to question, um, but it's an interesting discussion to have, and it's a good point. So thanks for making it. Yeah, um, we'll be watching uh, watching US versus China. I think with a great deal of interest, not just this year, but uh, for the rest of this decade. I think um, actually this decade's almost over. Well into next decade. <laughs> That's a scary thought, eh? Wow. This is a scary thought. I was thinking, sorry, this decade. Ah, this decade is over. Can you believe it's almost twenty twenty? It feels like the year 2000 was just the other day. We were reminiscing about the program Beyond 2000, where that was the future. And now we are beyond 2000, nearly 2020. Yeah. And yeah, it's, and now we're talking about yeah, cyber warfare. I mean, it's <laughs> it's real. I think because it's crept up in, over such a long period of time, you just don't always feel like it's here. 
Yeah. Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, the, the, uh, was it Odyssey Clark? That looked so far in the future at one point, and now it's, what, 18 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Don't go, yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> right, uh, what else do we need to talk about this week? Um, interesting move by the Competition Commission. They said they're going to, um, they're going to recommend to the Competition Tribunal that NASPASH not be allowed to buy we buy cars um i didn't really know about we buy cars until quite recently they um had a very aggressive advertising campaign and i see they've got a huge warehouse i think in centurion on the way uh, between johannesburg and pretoria um so it seems to be a very big operation a lot of it driven online um now naspash offered 1.4 billion rand to buy we buy cars or 60 percent of we buy cars um and the competition commission taking issue with this saying that um uh, um, I'm going to paraphrase here, but saying that uh, uh, Naspash owns another uh, company called the Frontier Car Group. I'm not sure where that operates, apparently not in South Africa. Uh, and um, the, the, uh, the Naspash had been planning to, in fact, launch Frontier Car Group in South Africa. Uh, and this would have been a competitor to We Buy Cars. Um, and so they, they therefore recommended to the commission or to the tribunal rather that um, the, the deal not be allowed to go ahead. Uh, because it would result in a, a diminishing of competition in this particular segment. Um, I, I've never used a We Buy Cars services. Have you, Rechard? No, I haven't. But I'm surprised at how many car buying services there are. I mean, just listening to radio ads alone and seeing the billboards. Oh, there are a lot a of huge yeah. industry. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's definitely a handful of companies that all offer to buy and sell cars. Um, yeah. Yeah. In, you know, offering the best price. I mean, it's obviously still a huge market in South Africa. Yeah. But um, yeah. I guess it makes sense um, for a company who wants to launch something to just buy an, an audience they've got already and a platform that they mm. can potentially replicate if it's if if they if they see a lot of value in, in maybe the back end systems and how it works. I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, the re recommendation that it be blocked. Um, we'll see what the tribunal comes up with, but uh, it's a big blow for. For nice person, certainly a big deal. 1.4 billion rand is uh, is a big chunk change. Last uh, story, Rahat, and um, you wanted to touch on this one. I actually did a podcast uh, this week with um, with Sophos uh, to talk about uh, this hack. So if you uh, if if I can call it a hack, I'm not ex I'm not exactly sure what to call it. It's not a security probably brief. exploit. Probably exploit is probably a better exploit. Thank you. That's a better word. Um, but WhatsApp um, a WhatsApp exploit um, was revealed this week. Apparently targeting um, specifically used to target human rights activists, uh, including one in the UK. Um, apparently this exploit was developed by an Israeli firm. Um, and uh, it's not entirely clear to me how the exploit got out into the wild. Um, apparently, this Israeli firm does work with nation-state governments uh, to find uh, exploits in this sort of software. Um, but it raises some interesting questions about just how secure WhatsApp is, because um, we obviously hear about end-to-end -end encryption and, and, and um, companies like WhatsApp and, and um, apps like WhatsApp and Signal and, and others um, punt this end-to-end -end encryption, saying, you know, this is obviously very secure. But if there's these side exploits that can be taken advantage of, advantage of um, how, how sure we can, can we really be that our, our communication isn't being monitored by someone else? Again, it's a, this is the cyber warfare we were just talking about, right? It's, mm. it's happening. There's companies contracted just to find these exploits, which is pretty scary stuff, I think. Um, but I mean, this was a pretty simple exploit. If you think about it, they just use the data packets that is sent to a WhatsApp phone to initiate a, a voice call. Um, to inject some malicious code. I mean, it, it seems like the most easy, most plausible thing in hindsight, right? And you don't um, even have to answer the call. Yeah, you don't even have to answer the call. It's just the data is transferred. It's obviously, you know, that's where the exploit came from. Um, uh, face, Facebook said it was a buffer overflow vulnerability in the VoIP stack that allowed remote execution via specifically crafted series of uh, SRTCP packets sent to a target phone number. Um, obviously, it's been patched now, and they do list a few of the versions that is still vulnerable. So, I mean, if you have WhatsApp, it's definitely worth checking it out, Update, updating now. it definitely, definitely. But it, yeah, it does. It, you know, I just want to touch again on this on the cyber warfare thing. It's, if there's companies are trying to find these vulnerabilities, how many are there that we don't know about that are being used in the world? I mean, and and this used to be done by basement hackers who just were doing it for fun. Now we have companies out there. Um, 
just going for it. That's what they want to do. And then they're selling, selling that um, access to the highest bidder or to a contracted um, individual party. Yeah. Yeah, you can be sure that there's, you can, I think you just have to assume that these exploits are there in the software. Um, and obviously, companies like Facebook will patch them um, as soon as they become aware of them, or one hopes they would. Um, but I think you have to assume that um, particularly nation state actors, but also hacker groups um, with malicious intent uh, have access to these sort of things. Um, you can be sure the NSA has a, a war chest of of exploits that it uses on a regular basis. Law enforcement agencies around the world, I'm sure, share trade notes and, and uh, have a, um, a toolkit of, of exploits that haven't been patched that they they can use to um, to do to sometimes obviously do uh, good work in, in, in taking down criminals but um, potentially also do to do uh, work that um, that uh, we wouldn't like so much yeah I mean for me the scariest thing is always the fact that you know that there's hardware out there that somebody can deploy on the street corner and they can pick up cell phone calls and they can decrypt data yeah. and they can find this grab. Yeah. I mean, that technology exists. It, it seems so far fetched, but nothing is secure. So, you know, <laughs> keep those uh, naked pics of yourself to yourself. You know, don't, there's no reason to photograph it. <laughs> and if you're doing illegal activity also, no reason to do it because you, somebody's going to be sniffing those packets yeah. for sure. Yeah. It, it raises interesting questions though for, um, for human rights activists, for journalists and their sources, um, you know, uh, I think a lot of people just assume that, um, you know, that um, you know, I happen to be chatting on Signal with a with a source. He's giving me some very confidential information, and they can't be their name can't be compromised. For example, um, you kind of tend to trust this end-to-end -end encryption, but at the end of the day, I think the message is that it's not necessarily secure. It probably is, but it, it might not be. Yeah, you just have to play the catch-up game and either be, you know, be cleverer than the tech and use code words, I guess, or do the good old note passing and go to a public space where there's lots of people. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Great. Well, that takes care of this week's news, Rachat. Uh, let's move on to our regular features. Um, our winner and our loser this week are the same thing. Uh, I don't know if we've done that before, um, but our winner and loser this week is MTN. Um, they are our loser um, for their uh, decision to introduce this um, uh, uh, this new out-of-bundle um, package by the back door. Um, Although, to their credit, uh, after the uproar, they uh, they pulled the plug on it. But uh, they're our loser this week for that. Now, they also are a winner this week for a very successful listing in Nigeria on the Nigerian Stock Exchange in Lagos. Um, huge demand in that market for the shares, and they uh, they rose substantially, 10% uh, on the first day of trading and 10% on the second day of trading, which is the maximum allowable, allowed, and uh uh, Nigerian stock exchange rules. Um, so uh, it looks like MTN is, um, is is finally on the mend in Nigeria, uh, and now as a listed entity there. Um, hopefully, the policymakers and the regulators are going to um, perhaps pause before they uh, they go after the company like they have in the past. Of course, the MTN still needs to resolve its um, its its uh, fight with the uh, Auditor General. Um, uh, Two billion dollar claim being made by the Auditor General in back pay, uh, unpaid alleged unpaid taxes, um, which MTN is fighting in court. Um, but I think the the general picture for MTN is an improving one in Nigeria. So well done, MTN. I think it's the first time we've ever picked uh, the same company as our winner and our loser of the week. <laughs> first for everything, Duncan. Absolutely. What's your pick this week? So I've been playing with a nice little notebook. It's quite thin, as you can see. I don't know if you can see the angle, but it's, this is the new Asus ZenBook. Uh, oh, yes. They were going to send that to me to have a look at, actually. I hasn't arrived yet. I think they sent it to you first. Yeah, Duncan, it's, it's not lovely. what you know. It's who, it's who you know, hey? <laughs> but yeah, this, um, let me just show you there. It's got an NVIDIA graphics card in there, which is pretty great. A very basic one. Um, you can see some more stuff. But yeah, this is a, a pretty nice machine. Mm. Yeah, a little kind of go anywhere. It's actually the only notebook that I'm using at the moment that can fit into my camera bag, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> but, um, you know, all the normal things that you would expect um, from a notebook of this caliber, Windows 10, 16 gigs of RAM, uh, 512 gigabyte SSD, and nice. then that NVIDIA GeForce uh, MX150, it's their mobile 
chip. I mean, it's it's you know you're not going to be sporting playing very high end games with this thing. Um, but I find it very useful for doing um, some basic video editing work. Is there's enough kind of power there to do some very basic cuts if you need to, um, without too much um, high end <laughs> you know graphic special effects. Um, and yeah, look, I really enjoyed using it. So going for about twenty five thousand rand. So as a thin notebook, thin small fourteen inch ultra compact. Um, it's certainly one of the better options I've seen, um, but as a big bulky notebook user, it was it was a nice change to be able to go to mm. something that's uh, literally you know the size or the size of uh, an A4 page or a very nice. How much does you know, it weigh? Like a book? Uh, under a kilogram. Um, yeah, that's Uh, but um yeah no it looks like a beautiful machine it's uh um what, what processor does it have in it oh looks like rehart has disappeared uh rehart um please rejoin the conversation but i'm going to move on with my pick in the meantime um and that's uh, uh fantastic sometimes you want to download a uh a video of YouTube, right? Um, and there's some tools that do this. And I was looking for one uh, the other day and um, uh, read the reviews and um, eventually actually paid for the advanced features in this one. That's a, an app called 4K Video Downloader. Now, it's available for Windows. I, I haven't checked if it's available on Mac. It probably is. Um, but the app's called 4K Video Downloader, and I really like it a lot because it gives you the ability to strip out the, um, the, uh, the audio of the... Um, of the video if you want to do that. So that's fantastic if you want to, um, if there's a piece of music on YouTube or a music video on YouTube that you want to get access to, you can just strip that out. Um, but it also allows you to select the quality of your um, of your download. So if it's a 4K video on, 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 on YouTube, you can select it. Okay, well, I don't want to, I don't need the 4K version. I'll, I want the version in 1080p, 60 frames a second. Uh, and you can, um, and you can grab it. So it's a great piece of software and uh, the, uh, the paid for version, which is just a couple of bucks, um, gives you, uh, some advanced additional advanced features. So well worth checking out if you, uh, if you've ever wanted to download a video of YouTube. Rechard, are you back in the call? Yes, I had a, probably an internet. Somebody tried to cut the cable somewhere. They were listening to our call and decided we cannot speak anymore. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. that's been fun. While you, were, while you were offline, I just did my pick, which is a 4K video downloader, which is a fantastic way of um, ripping video and audio off of YouTube. Um, it's the best app cool. in that caliber that I've, that I've come across. Is it a plug-in to a web browser? Uh, no, it's a separate. Or is it app. a standalone application? Okay. There may be a plugin as well. I haven't checked, but I'm I'm certainly running. It's 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 very nice. It's um it's a Windows app, and there may be a Mac macOS version. But you simply copy the YouTube video, and you hit a button, and it pastes it automatically into 4K video downloader, and then you can select what quality you want to download at, and you can also strip out the audio, which is really nice. Nice. And Rechard, you've rejoined us just uh, just in time to do the quiz and wrap up the show. Uh, let me uh, let me do the first question in this week's quiz. MTN listed on the Nigerian stock exchange this past week, and shares rose by the maximum allowable amount in its first two days as a public company in Lagos. Um, how much was that amount per day? And that was ten percent. The second question: The Competition Commission has recommended that the plan by Nasparis to buy car wholesaler We Buy Cars be blocked. How much has Nasbad offered to pay for sixty percent of the company? And the answer is one point four billion rand. And Lenovo showed off something quite unusual in the world of PCs this week. What was it? And that's the world's first foldable laptop computer. Have you seen hmm. the video, Richard? Yeah, this thing that you know now there's a there's a case study for good foldable tech, right? Um, <laughs> I, will not, I, I would not buy one. Uh, no, not, not not first generation, but again, you know, the, the, the capability of having large screen device with that capability, I think yeah. there's definitely think some the different, potential. Different form, the different form factors, though, I mean, this one you fold out and you use a, um, a software keyboard on part, a portion of the screen, which I don't think makes a huge amount of sense to me. I think it would make more sense to have some sort of foldable screen that you can open up wide um rather than the actual computer itself being folded uh, like a roll-up screen there's been actually some demos where they have rolled up kind of just the, the part of the screen and the tech mm -hmm. obviously allows you to do it i think they just want to showcase or or show us something that we used to yeah um perhaps perhaps that 
Anyway, I'm looking forward to us um, to, to us being on, on OBS, uh, hopefully from next week, because uh, that software is going to allow me to press a little button here and we'll be able to watch the demo video of that. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be laptop, good. Which uh, is going to bring a little great deal of more interactivity to this podcast. So I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, then the first fourth question, Yulot Packard Enterprise said this week it was buying which legendary maker of supercomputers? And the answer is Cray. I didn't know that they were a thing still. They're still around and still doing big business with the US government, apparently. They just won some huge $60 million deal to provide a supercomputer to, I think, the Department of Defense or one of those. Um, but yeah, I also hadn't heard of them in ages before this announcement came out this week. <laughs> and the last question in the quiz this week, uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk warned this week that the company will run out of money unless hardcore changes are made soon. And um, we wanted to know... Um, uh, you know how long um, he he gave he gave a timeline for, and it was uh, ten months. <laughs> ten months until uh, Mr. Musk runs out of cash. Um, is it running out of cash, or is it yeah, running out of cash? You know, it's like oh, maybe we need. To, Who knows? It's <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, he's a real uh, live wire, Mr. Musk. Um, and uh, I don't know. He's, uh, this apparently was in a communication to to staff. At least he didn't put it out on Twitter. In which case, it'd probably be. Mm -hmm. uh, subject of another SEC inquiry. Um, and that's our show this week. Uh, as always, any feedback, uh, we'd love to hear from you, info at techcentral.co.za. We do have a WhatsApp line, the number of which I've actually forgotten. I think it's 71 Yeah, 071-999-1111. I need to check that phone to see what uh, if there are any messages there. Apologies <laughs> if I haven't got back to you. Um, well, but, at least we know um, the FBI and CIA has probably already, already read those messages. So... Nothing, yeah. nothing too bad to worry about because we would have known about it, right? Probably deleted them too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't know. We would never know. Um, but uh, that's our show this week. Uh, do join us at 1 p.m. on Sundays now on YouTube. Join us in the live uh, in the in the uh, chat room. Uh, and thanks to uh, to everyone who joined us today and for the insightful comments. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next Sunday in uh, in OBS. Uh, no pressure, Rechard. We're going to have to get this one right. Uh, until then, from Rechard and myself, take care and cheers. Ciao, ciao.